looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day. This is Past the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for your company here on Past the Post for November the 12th. Hope you had a winning day yesterday. And, of course, our thanks to Archer Park Racing, who present Past the Post each week. Go to their website, archerparkracing.com.au. You can see all the horses that are available for sale, and there's still opportunities to buy into some young horses. And, of course, the Magic Minions Carnival uh, is not too far away. In fact, the Summer Carnival, as far as Queensland is concerned, begins officially next Saturday at the Sunshine Coast. Ben Norris joins me in the studio. Morning, mate. Morning, mate. I'm up and about this morning for a few reasons. I've got Bluey tickets for the family. The Bluey stage show in January. Six tickets all together. I'm so excited. It's like winning a Group 1 Was it for going... my family. I'm the hero of my family this morning. It's tremendous. Just deep dive into this for me. Was there a chance you wouldn't be able to get them? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah, there was a bit of drama there, but uh, we, got, we got the tickets together. So that's, uh, that's tremendous. But in racing news... I reckon, outside of uh, without a fight, winning the Caulfield Melbourne Cup doubles and the, the Zara story, I saw the best performance of the racing year yesterday, and it's not what you think it was. Well, what was it? Pride of Jenny. If you'd have told me that yeah. Pride of Jenny was going to reel off two Group 1s, two esteemed Group 1s on the bounce in seven days, I would have offered you a million to one. That was extraordinary the way that mare did that. But I think also the story of Declan Bates uh, and the owner, of course, who sadly lost his daughter. That's why all the horses are called Jenny after his, in memory of his daughter. That was, I think, outside the Caulfield Melbourne Cup double, the racing performance of the year, for mine anyway. Yeah, a lot to uh, to digest about that win and that performance, which we're going to do in just a moment. Um, of course, Imperatrice continued her winning way with winning the champion sprint and the tissue Came up trumps of the champion stakes. When I grew up as a kid, uh, the the Melbourne Cup Carnival, the four days at Flemington, uh, were considered the, uh, the the best. But Derby Day was always considered by the purists the race day. Um, gee, I reckon this day now, the way it's been reshaped and remodelled, is going to give Derby Day a real run for its money in terms of the best day for the purists. This has really developed into an outstanding Climax of the Flemington Carnival. Yeah, I think it's better than Derby Day already, personally. The, I suppose the only small issue is some of these races uh, can be a little bit of an afterthought for some of the horses yeah. racing them. They've got sort of previous grand finals and they keep the horses going for, for this, but I reckon they've done it superbly. They've marketed the day really well. And we should reflect, of course, on the Melbourne Cup uh, as well. I mean, that was uh, some sort of race, wasn't it? I mean, I couldn't find the winner, sadly, and I don't think you had it on top. I had it on Did top. You? Okay. And called it at every Phantom call, at every ah, Calcutta. There but, you go. But never backed it. But, but look, I, I thought it was, uh, sorry to interrupt, I thought it was a terrific spectacle, a terrific ride, a terrific winner, a terrific race, and almost just as importantly, every horse got through in one piece, yeah. which seems a simple thing to say, but there were so many years when we didn't see that, and there was headlines blaring about horse casualties and whatever. So I thought it was terrific this year, David. I really did. And for our past the post loyal listeners who took that uh, wide trifecta in first four, alack, alas, uh, no Shiraz in third for us. So. You know, Grant Peters, the photographer, the on-track photographer, uh, who's a fine man, a, a, a Kiwi like our producer Dale here, he 
He was tipping Shiraz as an each way special, if you don't mind, in the Melbourne Cup. To everyone who would listen, 30 to 1 the place. Each way special. I didn't run into him. Of course, Big Dad Rosehill Gardens as well. We'll be profiling that meeting during the course of the program. It was Five Diamonds Day. Queensland had the favourite in Antino. We'll talk more about that later. And, of course, a good meeting at Doomben where, as I said at the top of the show, we're rapidly approaching our summer carnival. And uh, yesterday we had a very good listed race, the Keith Nad Quality, won by extremists. We'll listen to that race and talk about it a little later in the program. Just one more thing with the Bluey situation. Mm. If you couldn't go online, would you be one of those ones prepared to, to line up the night before to get the tickets if they were released at 6 o'clock the next morning? No. Oh. Please. I love my family, but not that much. <laughs> <laughs> Just thought I'd ask. Let's, uh, let's get into uh, Flemington, and we'll go to the race that uh, has really taken Ben by the scruff of the neck, the, the Champions Mile. It was a great uh, battle for favouritism, but in the end, in the end, Fangirl emerged as the clear favourite. $2.40 is Matt Hill's broadcast. Approaching the turn, 600 to go. Pride of Jenny, can she do it again? She's six in front of Alligator Blood. They were followed by Victoria Road, Mr Brightside. Back behind them, Banker's Choice, the inevitable. And now fangirl J-Mac brought her to the outside and she's starting to sool into it. Pride of Jenny up the 350. Three legs in front of Alligator Blood, Mr Brightside. Then came fangirl down the centre of the course. Pride of Jenny starting to paddle at the 200 metres. She's a length and a half in front of Alligator blood but she's fighting pride of jenny she's still clear from alligator blood and mr brightside pride of jenny this has been spectacular and pride of jenny won again from mr brightside alligator blood and then fangirl next to finish the inevitable banker's choice victoria road is at the tail of the field declan bates take a bow most appropriately said by Matt at the end of the broadcast, Declan Bates take a bow. Another polished front-running ride on Pride of Jenny within the space of seven days, back-to-back Group 1 victories. Doesn't come much better than this. The man who was in the seat is our first guest on Past the Post, jockey Declan Bates. Declan, good morning and the biggest of congratulations. Uh, morning, guys. Um, yeah, thanks very much. Um, yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. Last week, we spoke with Josh Parr. He won the Golden Eagle. And I made mention to him last week that as elite uh, sportsman, uh, the, the winning is, is the best result, but how you go about it. And, and often you'll, be, you'll say to yourself, well, I've won that race and I'm bloody well pleased how well I executed it. And I reckon the same applies to you as we speak to you this morning. To be able to dictate the terms at the right possible speed on two occasions within seven days, for you, for you... You know, looking at yourself as as, as as your stature as a jockey, you must be you must be proud of yourself too. Um, yeah, I suppose after the, after the two in a row, I can I can say I'm um, like you said, um, to to sort of execute the plan two weeks in a row is satisfying. I probably felt a bit more pressure yesterday after mm. having done it last week to to um to pull it off again. Um, so no, it's just very satisfying. Yeah. Obviously, lots of wraps for your riding, Declan, but I got the feeling, listening to your post-race yesterday, you wanted to deflect a fair bit of that to the horse, didn't you? Like, you feel maybe even still the horse maybe hasn't quite got the credit she's deserved. Oh, 100%, yeah. Because it's um, tactics that aren't... It's a bit out of the ordinary. I, I'm probably getting a lot of praise, but as I said, it's, it's tactics that you can only do on certain horses and she's one and you you need you simply need a very very good horse to do it and 
and she is like she's I, I don't I don't think I've rode any other horse with just with the engine that she has that she can travel at that speed but still be in her comfort zone and, and that takes everything else out of their comfort zone and I think if you'd you'd probably be get to the four hundred meter mark and you'd be you'd be walking where she can she takes you that extra furlong and she's probably getting tired that last furlong but she can take she takes you there and kind of have the race won by then so yeah she um no she looks she's she has a, a lot of ability last week at the empire row she ran 134.86 yesterday in the, the champions mile 134.75 so they're nearly identical times on you know uh, it was a good three track last week a uh, good four yesterday uh the sectionals are a little different so Last week, you went a bit harder in the Empire Rose. Yesterday, uh, not as big a lead, not as not as quick that first 1,000 metres. But uh, she, to her credit, I mean, and, and the fact is, yesterday, we're not, we're not racing mares, we're racing Mr Brightside, Alligator Blood and Fangirl. She's done a damn good job. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, like you said, it was similar overall time, but probably did pan out a little different. Um let her run across and she, she we really rolled along early so it was a matter of sort of just maintaining more of a rhythm throughout and just getting her to the line whereas yesterday because she she came out a little bit more relaxed quite as quick early that allowed me to probably actually ramp it up a bit more from the from the half mile actually ask her to quicken and then um yeah it pulled off nicely yeah Declan, I'm sure you'd be highly aware too of the emotions surrounding, um, you know, these big wins with the, with the Jenny horses. Pride of Jenny, obviously named after, um, you know, the owner Tony's daughter Jennifer, who sadly died of a, a brain tumor in 2015, and, and he was very emotional post race, uh, obviously seven days earlier, and also yesterday. So apart from what you see on the track, it's it's a very significant sort of emotional moment for the for the entire team, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's just. Um... You know, it's it's you know Tony deserves all the, any success he gets. He puts a lot into it. Uh, it is emotional. I kind of try and focus on the job most of the time. It was sort of when you step back afterwards, I sort of think about that. And um, yeah, they've been through a lot. And he, you know, he, he loves these horses. He names the master his, his daughter, and um, that he he deserves every bit of success he gets. And it's oh, it's, it's wonderful to see. You, you can see the emotion. On them after the race is how much it means to them, and then um, you know it's amazing. Just on pride of Jenny, uh, are there occasions sometimes she doesn't jump as as well as she should or could? Yeah, no, she can't. She has been a little bit hit, hit and miss. Like I, I rode her in the tour, I can. She was just stepped a bit slow, and that just meant I had to um, just just to get to where I needed to be. And I think when she sometimes in that. You're you're just not in this good rhythm straight away then, whereas luckily the last last Saturday and yesterday she began nice and cleanly and that's allowed her to get into that rhythm straight away. But the, that's the last two times now she jumped cleanly, so hopefully I've I've got the hang of her now. Um, but yeah, certainly a couple of times I've rode her, we just we're a bit slowly away, and that just puts you off your just to get to that spot where she needs to be. But um, like I said, the last two times now, she's been very good. So hopefully I've hopefully I've figured her out and she gets on well. And hopefully it's not the last bit of success we have.
I'm sure it won't be. Declan, again, congratulations and thanks for joining us this morning. No worries, no worries at all. Thanks, guys. Declan Bates joining us this morning and uh, it deserves all the plaudits and, of course, so too to Kira Maher and David Eustace uh, who've got to not only click once but click twice. It's quite extraordinary, isn't it, to, to see to see this happen within the space of seven days, two, two Group 1 wins, same distance and almost identical times and ridden in the same fashion. Well, it was funny. Just looking at this race yesterday, I, I sort of did the form and I thought, oh, you know what, Prince of Jenny... I reckon it's a chance. And then I sort of thought, uh, you know what? She's not made facing mares this week. It's alligator blood. It's Mr. Brightside, mm. et cetera. And I sort of thought the class might just find her out here. But just too good again. And Declan Bates, wonderful successful story in his own right. He rode 40 jumps winners in Ireland and about the same amount of, of flat winners in Britain and, you know, took a chance on life um, and came out here and has now ridden, I think he'd ridden one group one winner before, now ridden two in two weeks, and it continues a happy theme of, of Irish jockeys, doesn't it? I mean, we've seen, obviously, Robbie Dolan uh, come out here, Martin Harley, uh, Marty Harley in Brisbane, and, and there's a few others around the place as well. So, I mean, look, it's it's easy to sit here and say, yeah, yeah, they've come from Ireland or whatever, but think about uprooting your life and, and just... You know, the, the the chance that you take to go to the other side of the world and, and trying to, you know, even you, David, or myself as a race school or a journalist, like if we were going to sort of travel to the other side of the world and effectively start again, it's it's a whole new box and dice. So, look, credit to him, and he probably hasn't got the raps he's deserved at times. Funny, isn't it? You go back four runs ago, uh, we were all lauding it, and probably correctly so, how Amelia's Jewel was so good that night at, at the Valley. Yet it was actually Pride of Jenny that was the one that set the speed that actually allowed Amelia's Jewel to run a track record and there wasn't much in it. So we we weren't really looking at Pride of Jenny at the time. We are focusing more on Amelia's Jewel, but as uh, hindsight proves, um, she went terrifically that night as well. Well, absolutely. And what about the form out of the Empire Rose a week earlier? Obviously, Pride of Jenny won yeah. it. Uh, Atishu ran second and obviously won the big group one yesterday and Deny, Deny Knowledge ran fourth and won the Matriarch yesterday. So in some, in some ways, the Empire Rose is just about the form race of the spring. As, as I said, they had their chance, Mr Brightside, Alligator Blood and Fangirl, to chase down Pride of Jenny. They weren't equal to the task yesterday, but they'll all go now to a break. And I'm sure connections of each of those horses will be delighted with the way they've performed during the, the spring, uh, particularly um, uh, Mr Brightside, but just missing out on the Cox Plate. But uh, the three of them are all, you know, worthy Wade for age contenders when we come back in the autumn. Yeah, 100%. I thought Fangirl was a tad disappointing yesterday. I, you know, given um, prior to Jenny put it on up front, I thought she was entitled to run on better than she did. What do they do with this Victoria Road, that horse that I backed at 100-1 to 1 in the Cox Plate that got well beaten in the Cox Plate and was beaten out of sight yesterday? Good luck, Kieran Maher and Dave Eustis with Victoria Road. It was $31 into 19. Was it my money? Beaten eight links from the... Judge called a halt. Well, from one great mare, one to another, let's go to the, the champion sprint. Could Imperatrice make it the clean sweep of her Melbourne assignments? She was the $2.15 favourite. There was very good support for In Secret at $3.50. So 450 metres to go, it's front page in front, freewheeling by a length, Imperatriz, then Star Patrol, Asfura, back behind those in secret, and then came Buenos Noches, front page joined by Imperatriz at the 200 metres, Buenos Noches and in secret trying to chase down Imperatriz at the 150, Imperatriz in front, Buenos Noches coming at her, but it's Imperatriz, she digs in, she's a neck in front, another star turn from a brilliant mare, Imperatriz from Buenos Noches in secret, 
Fourth in the race was Espiona from Bella Nipatina. Then Seymour front Page M and Asfura. Back in the field, then Lofty Strike. And at the tail, Star Patrol. Yes, Imperatrice tracking a path uh, up the straight. They all went to the outside and she was sitting third or fourth and then joined in and holding game uh, uh, finishes from Buenos Notches particularly and also in secret to win at a time of 19.08. What a wonderful uh, CV appears here. Last five starts, all wins and uh, three of them at Group 1 level. Yes, yesterday, of course, the Manicato a fortnight ago and, of course, the William Reed early this year. She's been uh, just outstanding. Yeah, clean sweep of everything she ran in in the spring. I don't think there's any doubt uh, if she's not the best sprinter in the world, she's right up there. Oh, I'd still love to see a clash between her and Think About It, which we may see, obviously, in the autumn. Uh, in secret, uh, as you mentioned, w- was heavily fancied, obviously, because of that record at Flemington unbeaten there in Group 1s and, and dynamic. Uh, whereas Imperatrice was, you know, having the first look at the Flemington straight. Um, I think it was Opie Bosson's first ride in a Group 1 down the, the Flemington straight as well. So there were a few little <clears throat> pointers there that might have made you doubt Imper- Imperatrice, which I did. I, I, I sort of thought in secret it was the way to go. Um, but, look, it was it was pretty much a one-act affair. I know we were trying to get Opie Bosson on the line. I, I can tell you where he is. I swapped texts with him before. He was fishing. So if he's already gone back to New Zealand, he's out fishing. So what a way to celebrate your latest Group 1. I'm not exactly sure. He's in a lake somewhere, but um, just try to get hold of him and maybe the fish are boating, I think. So as the, the carnival draws to a conclusion, um, the, the questions will still be asked in pubs and clubs, you know, twofold. Why didn't she go to the Everest? Well, I think that's been answered now, really, by the connections. And they answered it on this show, didn't they? Yeah, exactly. Like, like, two weeks ago, when they basically said that the prize breakdown... It's just we want to win group ones, and and they felt that the slot deal, you know, how it split up didn't really work for them. Yeah. Fair enough. So so that's that's the first part of the, of the question. The other part is um, if she had gone to the Everest, how would she have fared? Well, uh, I think we got a little indication there yesterday because she did beat two horses home. In fact, she beat home three horses that ran in the Everest. What a snotches. In secret, Espiona, she held them pretty comfortably. Uh, yes, she hasn't raced against Think About It or, or Private Eye or I Wish I Win, but uh, it'll be a mouth-watering clash and it will be interesting now. Do we Will we see her for the championships in Sydney in the autumn? Yeah, I'm not sure if we do. This will be her last racing season. Oh, yeah, 100%. But, look, uh, again, I mean... I've said it before. I mean, some of the criticism about her not going to the Everest I thought was point-blank ridiculous. I, I love the Everest. Would I have liked to have seen her in, in an Everest? Yes, I would have. I, I think it would have added to the race. But, I mean, you own a horse. You can do what you bloody well want. I, I mean, you're not obliged to do what people want you to do. So I don't think that anyone could now doubt that they've actually pulled the right rein, winning all these, you know, races in, in Melbourne on the bounce. Uh, group 1s, uh, you know, like it's certainly added to her value, hasn't it? She showed her versatility as well in this this spring campaign. We saw her coming from the back of the bus in those thousand metre helter skelters. We saw her lead at the valley, and then we saw her equally proficient up the straight yesterday at Flemington. And her record is outstanding: twenty three starts, seventeen wins, two seconds and one third. The next point to put to you on a broader front: where does she sit in terms of comparison? Um, who do you compare it to? I think there's only two sprinters you can compare it to in the last 10 to 15 years is Black Caviar and Nature Strip. So where does she sit there? Black Caviar's unbeaten, of course. Nature Strip, how do you compare them? 
Well, you can't, can you? Oh, I, mean, well, I mean, look, I think Nature's Trip was probably beating up at his prime, was beating up on better opposition than Imperatrice has faced here. I mean, let's face it, she's beaten Bonus Notches in Secret, Espiona, Bell and Epitina, good horses. But I don't think they probably rival the quality that Nature Strip was 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 beating up against. But look, you can only beat what you can what you can beat. You know, I don't know. I'd still, I would still love. I think think about it. The Everest winner is still a bit underrated. I would love to see these two uh, go at it in autumn. I don't know whether it'll happen, but I'd, I'd love to see it. Mm. Interesting. And just one final point about this race: the ride of Blake Shib was quite interesting. Now he drew the outside, which meant well, he's going to come down the grandstand rail. And that's where they all went to. He actually navigated a path probably just a bit further than midway through the race from right on the outside to come across right towards the inside, which I found puzzling, um, considering that it probably wasn't the better part of the track. And he's only got beaten half length. But this, again, is another horse who really excels down the straight. Yeah, I thought James McDonald's ride was a little interesting too on in secret. I don't think it would have beaten Imperatrix, but, it, you know... Opie was just sitting in the sweet seat right on the outside and James was sort of on the inside and never really looked to get to the outside at any point. But, look, I don't think it would have made any difference to the result anyway. The other group one was the Tab Champion Stakes. Let's go to the replay. And West Wind Blows was the $2.80 favourite. So the front runner is West Wind Blows. It's been a neutral pace by a length and a quarter. Zaki, two lengths to pinstripe. They were followed by Buckaroo, who's moving up around the outside and putting itself in the race from Young Verta. Next in the field is Prowess as they run the turn from Jewess getting away from the rails and is trying to come into it from a tissue. And then came Zarek. West Wind Blows joined by Zaki and heads it off now. Buckaroo made a line of three. The race is on at the 350. A tissue down the outside and Jewess is trying to get a run. Zaki in front, kicked a length in front a tissue coming at Zaki though a tissue moves up to Zaki, Buckaroo and then came Jewess who's trying to come on but a tissue sprints away a hundred metres to go, two links in front of Zaki and then Jewess but it's a tissue J-Mac again, a tissue wins second Jewess, third young Verta, photo four, Zaki, Buckaroo then Weetor, followed by Prowess West Wind Blows, Montefilia, Zarek and Pinstriped amongst the backmarkers Yes, a tissue fifth run this time in, coming out of the, the pride of Jenny Empire Rose seven days earlier and simply too strong for them. James McDonald, J-Mac, his third group one for the Flemington Cardinal, of course, taking the Derby on Riff Rocket and the Oaks on Zardozzi on Thursday and uh, another group one for Chris Waller beating Dewis and Young Verda putting big value into the multiples by running third, Zaki four. What about West Wind Blows? What did you make of Jamie Spencer's ride, the $2.80 favourite? Well, um, you're obviously going to criticise it. Tell me, and then I'll answer you. Uh, well, I thought it was a bit bizarre, really. Um, yeah. Well, I, I, don't, I can't really say much. I mean, he got suspended afterwards as well. Um, yeah, to, to be honest, it looked like he just wanted to get on the plane and get out of there. I think the horse, to be fair, what we've seen of it in its two runs prior, is uh, a horse who is best when it races in or near the lead. It's rather one pace, but can keep going at that pace. It didn't help at the start. The horse began poorly, which can happen with this horse. And all of a sudden, uh, I don't know whether he got a fright, Jamie Spencer, or not, but the, the horse crabbed out of the gates. And next thing, he's manoeuvred his way from barrier two, almost to well, to the outside of the field to come around and take up the front. It ran it at a, a good speed, not a hot speed, a good, a good better than average tempo. I thought the horse was still... Uh, 
a little disappointing when you consider uh, he was claimed early in the straight, not late in the piece. He was beaten just under four lengths. Um, not a pretty ride, um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be highly critical of it. I was reading the stewards' report here. When question rider Jamie Spencer explained it had been his intention to settle in the fourth position, and despite being slow to begin, in order to in- comply with the instructions, he elected to improve his position around the field. Uh, that's all good and well. I'm not sure what happened to Plan B or if there was one, but we'll move on. Dewis, wouldn't that have brought the grandstand down? Damien Oliver ran on into mm. second uh, in his final. Flemington Carnival uh, Group 1. Obviously, we've got the 1,000 Guineas and the Sir Rupert Clark, both rescheduled uh, races next week. So hopefully uh, there still might be a, an opportunity there for Ollie. Um, but we should make mention of him, shouldn't we? Uh, he had a champagne shower from the other jockeys. Um, I think it was after the last. Uh, I think they all went out last night and, and celebrated. And the sport will miss him, won't they? I, I actually penned a story with him on Saturday saying a couple of things. One... Yeah, he can't believe a 36-year career has gone so quickly. He feels it's gone in the blink of an eye. And I asked him, you know, his best bit of advice uh, for young jockeys, young sports people in general, and he said, uh, be good to people and it will come back at you in spades. So um, interesting, you know, he wasn't offering riding advice. He was just saying be a good person and, and be good to people and you'll get that back. So he, he copped a suspension, I think it was, was yesterday, so he misses Railway Stakes Day at Ascot but then he'll be there for the, the final carnival meetings, and then that, that's when he calls it a day. Yeah, I'll be over at the Winterbottom too again, don't I? Of course I you will the be. Bottom. Outstanding. Course I might even, if you're lucky, I might even call in on the Sunday morning when I'm in the Qantas Lounge or wherever well, I am. Please do. We'll be happy to hear from you. Let's go to some of the other features on the undercard yesterday. We'll go to the Group 2 Tab Matriarch Stakes for the Mayors at the 2,000 metres. This was a fairly open betting race, although in the end, to be fair, Deny Knowledge was the best back runner and ran at $3.80. Coming up towards the corner at the 600 metres, and it's Deny Knowledge. It's been an even speed led by two lengths to in second Osmos, then Sole Choice, premised the rails. Further back, Papillon Club, Pearl of Alsace brought towards the middle of the course. A little bit wayward, though. Uh, had a brush with Papillon Club, and then a fair receive, and no and a deal. Osmos moves up to Deny Knowledge as they reach the 300 metres. Those mares got away about four lengths. Pearl of Alsace and Amakura is running on as well. Osmos at the clock tower up to Deny Knowledge. They're stride for stride. Amakura still two lengths off those. It's Osmos. Deny Knowledge is brave on the inside. Deny Knowledge kissed. He's kicking. Deny Knowledge. Deny Knowledge. Oh, that's a brave win. Beat Osmos and also Amakura who got pretty close. And that trio absolutely gapped the others. Next in the field, Pearl of Alsace. No and a deal. And behind them was Papillon Club and Thalassophile. A fair receive and Steinem. Well back sole choice in company with Premise and she's a con. Yes, Jamie Carr took riding on us yesterday with a riding treble. This was the third of her winners, Deny Knowledge, for Michael Kennan, a man who likes to get up there on the action, either in front or close to the speed, which panned out yesterday. And Osmo's loomed alongside, and I thought might get her, but Deny Knowledge dig, dug deep and just lasted. Yeah, it was a terrific day for Jamie Carr. I am getting a little sick, however, of all these social media buffoons saying, Ah, you stupid journalist. You said Jamie Carr was out of form. You said she was finished. Have a look at her now, you idiots. Well, I mean, we are entitled, are we not? Uh, If you're a rugby league journalist or an AFL journalist or a racing journalist, to point out the facts. And let's face it, Jamie was. Horses weren't running for her there for quite some time. She had very, very few winners. I think her confidence was low. Uh, That's terrific. Uh, that she's she's back with three winners yesterday. Good honour. Uh, great to see her uh, back in form. And I think racing needs Jamie Carr. Will be an interesting moment on 
Monday though, David, tomorrow when she faces the Victorian Racing Tribunal uh, in regards to that white powder uh, matter, which she's pleaded not guilty to. Okay, that comes up tomorrow. Let's go to the other group race yesterday, and this is the Queen Elizabeth at the 2,600 metres. Mira Massa was the favourite, $4.40. They come to the corner, 600 metres to run. Knight's order, still about a length third realm. Then he's a shocker. Duke de Sessa needs a run badly behind them. Then came Regal Power, so dazzling, brought towards the middle of the course. Muramas has run up behind them and needs some room as well. And then came Pesto, 350 metres to go. They've got to the leaders, Regal Power and Muramasa come through together. They were followed by Ladies Man running on and back behind those third realm who's tiring. Muramasa at the 200 from Ladies Man Duke to Cesar Regal Power. Muramasa about a length in front of Ladies Man Duke to Cesar Regal Power. Muramasa punched out by Buckets Moore and Muramasa won the Queen Elizabeth Snakes by over two lengths. Second Ladies Man from Duke to Cesar. Regal Power in a photo with a maid who was slicing through them late. Next to finish in the race Pesto Knight's order. So dazzling Kukaracha Luncey's third realm. He's a shocker and Port Phillip towards the back. This is a very progressive four-year-old, considering yesterday was only his 10th career start. It was his third run this campaign. He's only had three runs in the spring, and he's gone from a benchmark 78. He launched there at Flemington in late September, then went to the Coonji at Group 3 level. And yesterday, not only going to, well, the Group 3 Queen Elizabeth, I'd say a harder race than the Coonji, but a big step up in distance, 2,000 to 2,600 metres. I know some doubted uh, Miramasa at the distance, but... In the end, uh, he proved the knockers wrong. He was very strong to the line. Yeah, and this means he's qualified for the Melbourne Cup next year, if you don't mind. So, um, I mean, he is a long time in racing. Will he get there? Who knows? But uh, I think Solcombe won this race last year and obviously bungled the start again in the Melbourne Cup, but did run second. So it does go to show that you can win this race one year and run a mighty race in the Melbourne Cup the following year. Well, that was Flemington yesterday, and as Ben pointed out, next Saturday the carnival continues. Uh, the first time we'll see the Sir Rupert Clark and the Thousand Guineas. Both Group 1 races run after Flemington. That's at Caulfield. Let's take a break on Past the Post. Back in a moment to look back at Rosehill Gardens yesterday. Looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day, this is Past the Post. Brought to you by Archer Park Racing. Taking racing ownership to the next level. Well, the spring carnivals are winding down uh, in Sydney and Melbourne. Of course, uh, as we outlined at the end of the last uh, segment, Melbourne next Saturday hosts the... The Thousand Guineas and the Cerebra Clark at Caulfield. But as far as Rose Hill was concerned, or Sydney was concerned, this was the end of the metropolitan side of the Spring Carnival. We go to Newcastle next Saturday, then Kemble the week after for their big races. But the big race yesterday was the $2 million Five Diamonds, the eighth race on the card. And the Queenslander Antino was a very heavily backed favourite at $2.20. Here's the replay. 400 metres to go. Zoom on, straightens half a length in front of Huyamal. Unspoken running on. Where's Intino? He's got a wall in front of him trying to sneak through the field. Democracy Manifest running on. Zoom on, still the leader. Unspoken's coming after him. 150 out and Democracy Manifest down the outside. It's still Zoom on. Unspoken digs in. Where's it down? Unspoken the outside going to them. Unspoken has got up and won from Zoom on. Democracy Manifest in a photo for 
third with Detonator Jack. Jack might have got him for the minor placing. Back behind them was Waterford. Then Antino. Slow start. Costly. Never likely. Hoo Mal. Palmetto with those. Followed by Hope in Your Heart. Jimmy Hendricks. Faulkner Park. Regal Lion. And he's been one of the last over. He's an import unspoken, and he's been outstanding this campaign. Four from four, and that was the one that counted yesterday, the, the $2 million five diamonds. Tommy Sherry riding for Peter and Paul Stoden. Paul Stoden joins us now online. Paul, good morning. Congratulations. Dave, thank you very much. Great result, and uh, interested in this horse. Uh, I want to ask you something about this horse, and I think it was quoted yesterday, probably by yourself. How you come to find these horses, and, and there's a, not a secret as such, but... It's finding them at the right rating to, to get them here. I think, as you, someone said, not exposed. Just give us the background of how you found Unspoken. Yeah, look, so we, for the last probably three years, we've dabbled in these sort of European type of horses and obviously trying to get them before they, as you say, do get relatively exposed as such um, and show their full potential. Um, buying a buying a, one of these horses off a higher rating over there and paying excessive money doesn't always marry up to what we have over here and, and to be as successful. So I think that's a proven formula. I think what you need to do is basically try and get this, this um, you know, this source coming up through uh, an early an early grade, so to speak. And um, once they, they sort of get over here, they're in that sort of anywhere from a, a 68 to a 72 benchmark and you've just got so much more room to move. You can have them, you know, from from prep to prep, and, and then they start to, you know, climb the ladder and, and start to improve, as is this horse has, and and a couple of others that we've purchased in recent years. You said you and your dad have been dabbling in this over the last three years. Over that three years, have you found that uh, the prices are getting higher, or it's getting harder to buy? Yeah, certainly a lot. A lot of the guys that that were willing to sell privately, they're, they're hanging on to them and. Mm putting them through these horses in training sale now, um, more or less they're knocking back the money that you would potentially would have offered anyway and they, they're sort of just scraping by or they're, or they're making a touch more. So that's their priority to do that. But, um, yeah, you're right, it is getting quite fickle. Um, and I think that's where sort of with Will Johnson joining our team that he spent a lot of time over there. He knows he knows the, like, the trainers very well and he knows sort of you know, I think trust is a big thing, I suppose, buying a, a tried horse, especially from another side of the, the world, to um, to try and you know, have that knowledge that that horse will, will acclimatise and, and suit Australian conditions. Now, Paul, take us inside this race a bit. You and Tony Gollan are great mates. And Tino was obviously sent out the, the heavily back $2.20 favourite. Your winner was the second favourite, even though went out at $7.50. Was there a side bet before the race? Was there a bit of gentle ribbing after the race? What was going on? No, no. no I'll tell you I'll tell you this one thing. Whenever we race against each other, whoever wins, wins, and we're happy for both for one another. That's, that's, that's how we are. But, um, you know, Tino, he'd had a long preparation and... But I heard Tony's post-race comments afterwards saying that, um, you know, maybe he might have might have went one too many. He doesn't know. He'll, he'll sort of make that call the next couple of days and just wait for the horse gets home. It's going home tonight back to Queensland. So he'll do some, some more sort of thorough checks on him and, and go through some replays and things like that. But obviously when he was slow to jump, it was quite costly for him because I, I thought we would be following him in the run more than anything. Um, and when he was slow to jump, well, that took us an opportunity to probably be a, at least a pair closer in the run, that's for sure. 
Is there? I mean, this was eighteen hundred metres yesterday. But is, is there some chance you might have a, a Caulfield Cup horse on your hands in the future? Is he going to get better over that distance, and can he get to that level? Yeah, look, I, that's, that's look, he's going to have to keep improving. No, no illusion. The fact that you know we 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 we're sort of throwing out you know a ball at our target sort of for the next twelve months, but just knowing the fact of where he, how quickly he's come from um, from last prep to where he is now suggests that. I think there's still a little bit more to go. Um, he's bred to run at least a mile and a half, and and um, his old trainer actually cannot. He's, he commented on one of the owners said, "I can't believe he's winning over a mile over here." So um, I think that just gives you a little bit more confidence in the horse's ability, staying ability anyway, that he should hopefully get better um, as we start to to uh, increase that distance. You mentioned uh, the term one too many just before. In terms of unspoken, would you consider going to the Ingham next month? No, I don't think so. I think we've, we've probably done enough this yeah. time in. Um, you know, if he's going to get to where we, we want, want him to be, I think I want to give him every chance possible. And, you know, it's just a it's another race for him. It's not really nothing else, you know, as far as that aspect goes. And... You know he's he's a he's a very um, he's a very clean-witted horse. He's got a very good aerobic capacity about him. He doesn't take a lot of work. Um, you know he's he's very um, he's very easy to train that way. And I just think maybe just pull up stumps now and just give him give him a necessary break that we can get him um, you know have a probably a light autumn, but then um, you know get into the spring and and hopefully compete at some good levels um, back in the back end of next year. Yeah, two-year-old racing is obviously really going to come into focus over the next couple of months in the, you know, what's lead up to the Magic Millions and, and obviously then the Golden Slipper. Have you got a, I'm sure you've got a stack of two-year-olds, have you got a Ferrari there in the in the garage you can you can wheel out and tip our tip our listeners into or have you got a couple that um, you've got high hopes for? Oh, look, there's already been one that's relatively exposed in bodyguard, one down the straight. He's a, he's a very impressive horse. Um, Magic Millions um, purchase, so look, that's the way he's heading. He's already... Already won a stage race his first start. He, he won very easily. Um, very hard to do first start down the straight and whatnot, as we all know. But he's uh, he's got a lot of potential. Um, his price tag suggests that, but I feel he's going to live up to that. He's, he's such a nice horse. And James has actually got another first starter. He's a full brother to Russian Revolution. He's going to run on Wednesday. Um, he fits the mould. As I just said about bodyguard, they're two very nice quality colts that he has in his stable at the moment, and I'm glad they're in ours because um, I think they can they can you know make their presence felt in anything that they run in. Racing is is a roller coaster ride. You've enjoyed the high there yesterday with Unspoken, but uh, shocking luck that King's Gambit couldn't go around on the Coolmore the week earlier. Oh yes, and. Probably what made it worse was Osmosis winning the way he did because mm. he did take that passing. Like he was tied to the fence two weeks 100%. before. So. And maybe more crook. But um, we, were, we were very, very confident. I think I did a podcast on the, on the week, uh, sort of two days before. The young lad said, oh, what's your confidence level between 1 and 10? And I said 9, but I was really thinking about 15. So, <laughs> um, it's just one of those things. It was our time to cop it. Everyone's been through it at times. And, yeah. you know, it's, just, it's a kick in the guts. But, you know, no one died and we'll, we'll live to find another day. Yeah, an opportunity missed. Good on you, mate. Congratulations to you and Dad yesterday. All right. Thanks very much. Here is Paul Stone and joining us. Tommy Sherry writing Unspoken. Well, Antino. 
in Tino to begin with. Well, just to give the background of this race, a horse had to be uh, re-shot at the barrier, so they released all the runners from the gates, put them all back in, they jump away, he misses the start. Now, he misses the start in a big field and he's drawn towards the inside. So in the end, though, in the wash-up, he's travelling midfield, one off the inside. Uh, in the straight, as, as Luke Marlow mentioned, the broadcast, a wall of horses in front of him. But the last 100 metres, there was no no run on at all. Well, he lost his action, to, to my eye, anyway. Just completely lost his action and he was three out of five lame. So, I mean, combining that with missing the start, as much as it pains you to say it, it's just an, another luckless, for want of a better word, run. I mean, things just didn't go right, I'm sure. There's still a bloody good horse there. and But, yeah, I'm, I mean, on the wash app, I, I'd... Yeah, like he's Group 1 placed, obviously, this campaign. Um, but it does feel like an opportunity missed, doesn't it? Through no fault of Tony Gollins, really, at all. It's just one of those one of those campaigns. It's just a lot of things have gone wrong. I think you can sum it up pretty, uh, in two words, uh, pretty succinctly. He's an unlucky horse. Yeah. He's an unlucky horse. Let's go to the, the golden gift. Speaking of two-year-olds, which uh, Paul was there talking about bodyguard, I think we saw, saw a very good two-year-old here yesterday winning the golden gift. His name is Shangri-La Express, and he was at the favourite at $2.10. Shangri-La Express found the rail on the turn. Three quarters of a length in front of Trafalgar Square. It's Shangri-La Express. Half a length now, Trafalgar Square. Early in the straight, climactic Petawawa. Back behind those, volatile, weaving for a run. Scampies down the outside, running home. 200 metres to go. Shangri-La Express has beaten off Trafalgar Square. Scampies coming on the outside, making steady ground. But it's still Shangri-La Express. Ruda Royale flashes up on the fence. Shangri-La Express hanging on, though. And Shangri-La Express is going to win it by one length on Rue de Royale. Winner burns the candle at both ends. Third in Volatile, ahead of Climactic. Back behind those when they pull up was Padawawa in company with Better Being Single. Behind those was Trafalgar Square. Scampy in front of those, followed in by Arts Alive. Lamentum, War Council, Thunderous, and that's outstanding. Yes, and Luke Mallow hit the nail on the head there, burned the candle at both ends. He drew uh, an outside gate, the outside gate, uh, had to work hard to get to the front and then was able to kick strongly at the end. Time, nothing brilliant, one three ninety five, but they did go hard early. But that's two from two. He's uh, a colt by Alabama Express, a first season sire at Yulong. And uh, significantly, he's a Magic Millions graduate, 220000 he costs. Whether he goes there or concentrates on the slipper uh, remains to be seen. I don't think that's been decided as yet. I suppose the horse will tell Gay Waterhouse and Adrian Bott you know, whether he can do the two, do the two campaigns. Yeah, well, obviously he's qualified now for the Golden Slipper, so I guess you would probably pencil that in and whether they can fit the Magic Millions in there as well as another story. Ruta Royale, I thought, was terrific. Uh, no taking away from the winner across from the wide gate and then, you know, burnt the whole way. But I reckon Tony and Kelvin McAvoy have got something to play with there with that colt. There was a horse in this race, and I was watching it somewhat nervously. It was accepted for a race at Eagle Farm, I think, last Saturday. And I said it's an absolute moral uh, from what I saw of its trial. And it drew a wide gate. There was no jock on it, so they scratched. The horse was called Climactic. And all of a sudden, I see it pops up in the Golden Gift yesterday. And I said, well, it probably couldn't win this. And it was uh, $26 down to $18, ran fourth. It would have absolutely you-know-what in at Eagle Farm that day. But they went to, went to this race on debut for Matt Dunn, so it ran well, Climactic. But no, Shangri-La Express taking the honours. Let's uh, round out Rose Hill with the 
Group 2 hot Danish steaks and not much between Royal Merchant, Roots and Cold Eye for favouritism. Here's the replay. Called Eye still on the bridle led Royal Merchant closing in. Fine points brave. Roots switches to the outside now. She's being cuddled by Berry. About to turn a loose. He is now. 200 metres to go. Here comes Roots on the outside. Going out and after Called Eye. Royal Merchant Dalcini ran out of room on the fence. But it's all Roots. 50 metres to go. She's going to win the group two. There's a treble for Tommy. Roots wins it by two and a half on Called Eye. Fine point. Royal Merchant fourth. Followed by Dalcini. Next over was Miraview and Russian Conquest. Another horse coming out of the Winter Carnival here ran second to Palais, a pan in the, the Tats Tiara, winning at the Group 2 level yesterday. Chris Waller and Tommy Berry, and as, as Luke said, Tommy Berry riding treble. Yeah, absolutely, and it was really a one-act affair there. The blinkers going on, Tommy said, made all the difference post-race. I laugh to myself sometimes. I was just <laughs> looking at Sometimes? That was climactic. It's well named. You know what its sire is? No idea. Yes, yes, yes. I don't get it. Oh, yeah. come on. Climactic. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, get your brain into action. I'm not going to explain it to you. I'll explain oh, to you. Oh, yeah. Come okay, on. I've got you. Yeah. <laughs> not that funny. Now I'm making jokes myself. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's go to Dooman. Let's go to Dooman. The Keith Dowd quality Zarastro. Could he make it in open company? Punter said he would. He was $2 in favourite. It's the Rastro in front. The favourite has pride of place. Travelling to the side. 700 out. Extremist trails by length. Steady ready. Third, the box seat. Ammunition's a deck away. Fourth, the outside. To the snow zone. Sofrano and Hollyfield doing it tough. First split, 34.96. A good first section. All that pizzazz on the way forward. Still six off the lead. Then Irish Song, Zushak, Comrade Rosa and Star Tonnes at the tail end. Heading for home in the Keith down now. 3.50 to run. Zarastro leads. Extremist. Sticking on gamely on the outside. Steady he really peels away from the rail, comes up to third to give chase, and from the back all that pizzazz running on. The leader was Zarastro, there's no gas in the tank, 100 to go, extremist on the outside, laying down the law, taking the lead, and winning the Keith down. Ah, she's game, extremist from Zarastro, photo third, steady ready, or Comrade Rosa belting home, and Star Tonnes from the back. Then Irish songs, all that pizzazz, munitions, Snow Zone, Zushak, Holyfield, and Sofrado in one nine twenty six. She doesn't know how to run a bad race extremist, ridden by Robbie Dolan, put straight outside of Zarastro, beat him in his own game, and Robbie Dolan joins us now on Past the Post. Robbie, good morning. Good morning, how are you? I'm well, and I'm sure you are too after yesterday because there was a riding double yesterday, but from a broader point of view, Robbie... It's all starting to, the jigsaw is starting to, to be put together now. You arrived here uh, expectedly to a new scene, a, a new riding area, and you're winning your good share of metropolitan races. And to win at listed level yesterday, I'm sure was very satisfying for you. Yeah, very satisfying. Um, you know, obviously coming up here for a, a bit of change of a scenery, and, um, you know, I've been working pretty hard uh, behind the scenes, so I definitely. Delighted to be sort of reaping the rewards. Uh, Rob Heathcote is overseas uh, on route to a golfing trip in Mexico, if you don't mind. And I, I rang him post-race. He was walking down Rodeo Drive in Beverly Hills. Did you hear from him post-race? Did he ring in from America? He sent me a message this morning of him on the golf course. <laughs> and um, I'm not sure which one he enjo- he, he'd be enjoying better, that listed winner yesterday, or if you could hit a hole in one. That'd be a hard choice, I reckon. <laughs> What about just going back to, to your new surroundings here? It's never easy to break into a new environment. I mean, I know the Sydney uh, jockey scene, it's, it's very, very strong, but 
you know, Brisbane's pretty good as well, and you've got to try and, you know, get in there, make contacts. Has it been easy or not so easy? Well, no, not uh, definitely not easy. If it was easy, everyone would be doing it. I think, mm. um, you know, it's it's racing's a funny game. It's hard to get winners. Doesn't matter where you are. You just need to work hard and knuckle down. And and if you're on the right horses, it, it makes your life a lot easier. Um, took me a little bit of time to sort of get my first winner, but sort of once we got the first winner off the, you know, the monkey off the back, I suppose we we thankfully just kept on a nice roll the whole way through. I remember a month or two ago, Robbie, you did an interview with um, my colleague Trent Knackers, and you said, I think I, I might be sort of paraphrasing, but you said with you that the singing, obviously you're well known as a singer, but you, you were a bit concerned that uh, that had sort of taken the focus off your riding a bit, and you, you're obviously a jockey first and foremost, and, and I think you might have said, correct me if I'm wrong, but that you, you've sort of didn't didn't want trainers and, and racing people to start viewing you as a singer. <laughs> you, you know, you, you're obviously a jockey, and that's how you make your money. Yeah, well, look, I don't really, I don't really, I don't really mind what what way people view me as long as I'm riding winners. That's all that matters. Um, you know, I, I was actually on the Melbourne Cup cruise um, pretty much all all this uh, last week, um, sort of doing a couple of interviews with with you know big racing fans and and getting getting out there and getting amongst it. And then we 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 sang a couple of sets as well on the ship. So to come back, you know, ride a double the day before I got on the ship, the day that I got on the ship, and then ride a double the first day I got back, including the listed winners, just sort of proves that you can you can juggle it if you if you can do it right. So, um, look, I definitely want to focus more on racing is what I really want to do. Um, but uh, it's, it's nice to sort of uh, quiet the haters a little bit, so to speak, saying that you can't juggle it. Just before we let you go, you would have watched uh, Pride of Jenny with a lot of interest over the last week because, of course, you rode her earlier in the year. Yeah, I just got nabbed on the line in the Coolmore by, I think it was Espiona. Mm. Um, same tactics, went out in front, very, very brave, and again, just, just fell short the last 20 metres. Um, but she's she's definitely not to be underestimated. I, I, I thought she could really run a, a cheeky race there yesterday now that she's fit um, you know it, obviously a horse like that that gets out in front and bowls along they need to be very fit and um, now that she's our optimal fitness she was just brilliant yesterday Continued success I know you've been riding well for Chris Munz as well with a couple of two year old winners but uh, good to see you to advantage on Extremis yesterday thanks for being with us Thanks for having me on thank you Robbie Dolan joining us the winning rider of Extremist who uh Looks set for a good summer campaign and the grand final will be the Magic Millions race in January, the Mayor's race. Yeah, terrific result. And it was interesting when I spoke to Rob Heathcote post-race over in America. He said, look, I want you to mention in, my sto- in your story, uh, he said, I'm also celebrating my 29th wedding anniversary. I said, that's great, Rob. I said, but your missus is on track here. <laughs> I said, yeah. And who, Vicky actually is in the ownership of extremists as well. So actually we... Uh, we saw them, didn't we, enjoying the spoils of it briefly uh, in the committee room, in the winner's bar there, and good on them. They're a good crew. There's a, a few in um, the, a few owners of extremists who are in Rothfire as well, obviously. Yeah, exactly, and she was a bargain by $35,000. Let's go to the last race of the day. Damien Thornton makes it a riding treble on the Drover. 
in the straight, Calm Seeker led. How much gas in the tank? Duke of Buckingham railing. On the outside, running on pretty gamely, awesome lad. Then came Tidal Creek, followed by the catch, and Tyresa behind them. Calm Seeker the inside, and awesome lad the outside. They're down at the 100 metres. Awesome lad the outside, in a duel with Calm Seeker. Then Tidal Creek in the catch. Awesome lad narrowly in front, and I think just beat Calm Seeker from the catch, Tidal Creek and running on a big chance. Tyresa had her chance, then Southern Stock count the coin. Duke of Buckingham failed to run on, but the Maricana Magic last home in 136.02. Well, Damien Thornton did win the last race on the driver, but he also won the second last race on Awesome Lad for Jason Deemer, who's got a good strike rate when he sends horses to southeast Queensland from his uh, base in New South Wales. That is past the post for today. Thank you for your time, Ben, and we'll chat tomorrow morning on Press Room, which is back. Good on you, David. Ben Dorries joining us. Thanks for your company too, folks. Have a good day. I'll talk to you in the morning. Bye-bye.